Hello, everybody. Today I am live with Matt Monero, gentleman who has grown multiple companies from zilch to over 150 million revenue. So, guys, start out small businesses doing epic stuff. Um, I'm not sure to give. To, I'm going to do his own introduction because he's just brilliant. So, let's switch over. Matt, your screen's gone to the right again. Let me just <laughs> shift up a little bit. You know, that might be me. Nope, all good. You're all set, mate. How are you, Matt? I'm doing just fine, Josh. Thank you. Awesome, brother. Uh, turn my sound up, damn it. Yeah, perfect. Real live now. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great, Josh. And you? I'm doing well, brother. Mate, so could you tell us, what is your background and how did you, how did you get into business? What's the backstory here? I mean, it's a story of necessity, right? Like most people who start their businesses. I mean, they, they're probably bad employees. They're, 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 they, they don't take orders very well, and uh, they think they can do it better than, uh, than, than their boss. So they decide to leave and do it themselves. It's usually a wrong decision, like it was for me for, for many, many years, you know? Um, I mean, the reality is I, I always knew I was going to be okay and be successful. I just had no idea it was going to take this long and be this doggone hard. I was listening to a few of your other podcasts and interviews talking about how it took you 10 years to actually realize, hey, I'm going all in with this business. 10 years of pain, I think you called it, referred to as. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think it's a story of most business owners. I mean, really, the reality is that, uh, that, that most people go into business and never produce a business that they really thought it would produce. And... And, and I, I'm a firm believer that most people shouldn't go into business for themselves and they should stay employed by somebody else. Look, the, the number two through 50 person at Facebook is doing just fine. So most people think they need to be the president when in reality, I think most people need to be the vice president. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, can you tell us what the first 10 years of business, how did, how did it actually play out? Because I was reading about you saying... You weren't paying yourself. You weren't. You were going through the struggle. You can tell us a little bit. Elaborate on that a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the reality is is as follows. I mean, yeah. I I wasn't a good employee, um, but I was loyal, and I was transferred to Dallas, Texas, to open up our first satellite office for a company that I was very loyal for. I was the number one salesperson there. And it was supposed to be a one-year stint, and then I was supposed to move back to our corporate headquarters. And uh, the minute I got to Dallas, everything changed. And I got to remember, I didn't know anyone in Dallas, Texas. I didn't have a friend of a friend of a friend. I knew nobody. I was a complete stranger. Um, I did have one customer uh, in, in the Dallas area. But, um, but shortly after I got here, everything changed. The budget we had talked about, all the dreams, the goals, all that sort of stuff went out the window. And I was left in a one-bedroom, dumpy apartment. And I said, I think I could do this on my own. And, uh, and so I left and I did that. And, um, you know, in hindsight, it was a good decision. But if you asked me five years in, seven years in, eight years in, 10 years in, was it a good decision? The answer was probably no. But I was too stubborn to quit. I just kept showing up every day. And then wouldn't you know it, it began to turn and uh, began to turn through a lot of hard work and a lot of mm of self-discipline, educating myself, getting better at the craft, being a better business owner, being a better employer, building a better company. And, uh, and then it began to turn around and it's been a hugely successful since. I guess that leads me to two questions. What was that first business? And what were those actual changes that you had to go through? 
Well, I'm talking about the, my core business, my commercial fleet financing business. We finance heavy industrial equipment, big rigs, tow trucks, bulldozers, that sort of stuff. And, and, and that was the business that I started in 1995, so 21 years ago. <clears throat> and I started it with nothing. Um, but it got worse than nothing for me. I mean, uh, you know, six months in, I, I remember looking out my, my, my window only to see the repo man drive off with my car. And, uh, and I was down to my last 40 bucks. Um, and that $40 wasn't in cash. That was on a Shell gas station credit card. Oh, and, yeah. and I literally walked to the corner to the gas station. And I bought $40 of milk and Frosted Flakes. And I walked back to that dumpy apartment. And I said, I got to do something with my life. This isn't how it was supposed to finish for me. And I got very committed to, to, uh, to, to, to making something of myself. It just took a long time, and I think it's an important point that, that many people are looking for the success of others um, way too fast. It takes a long time to, 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 to get rich. The 10-year overnight success. Say again? The classic story of the 10-year overnight success. Yeah, right. 10-year, but for, for me, it's probably more like 21 years. I mean, it takes a long time. Um, and that's not something that people need to shy away from because it's worth all of it, right? I mean, I, my lowest points, all they do is enhance the highest points, Josh. That's yeah. what they do. Matt, so were you married at the time or? I was not go? married. I was not. I was yeah. not married. I had no kids. I was 25 years old. And, um, and uh, I, oddly enough, I did meet my wife uh, a, a couple years after that. And so for most of my journey, I have been married. I have three amazing children. And, um, and uh, you know, they have been through the thick and the thin with it with me. That's cool. I think that's what most entrepreneurs want is someone that you've seen the journey with you. It's amazing. Yeah, my wife hasn't worked in the business. I think she worked one day answering phones and, and she hated it. She quit. She says she quit. I say I fired her, whatever. But, but it, it lasted about a half a day. I mean, yep. my, my, wife, my wife's role in my success has been taking care of my children and being the CEO of my household. And it's a super important role. That's awesome. And you mentioned when you got to that 10-year mark, you started making some major changes. <clears throat> a, what kind of spurred you to make the decision then to shift for me, it really was two things. Number one, I needed to focus on the company culture that I was building, which was really non-existent, right? I mean, I was just hiring ragtag people, anybody that I could afford, um, anybody who I thought might be able to make some calls and de develop some business. And I ended up building a company of people that I really didn't like to come to work with. So we got very focused on company culture um, at that stage. We are, oddly enough, 11 years later, getting completely reconnected to our company culture to be able to go to the next step. Um, but company culture was very important to me. And then, and then this may sound a little bit cliche, but it's so true. I just started dreaming bigger. I started thinking bigger. I started to understand this concept of scale and the importance of revenue generation and how do we get bigger because you know, if you followed any of my stuff, you, you will not save your way to prosperity. You must grow revenues. And I believe there's no glamour in a, in a, in a, in a one man or one woman shop anymore. They are, they, it's a very precarious situation. They don't know what's coming around the corner. And so people need to understand, regardless of size of your business, you need to scale it. You need growth. Hmm. Okay, I've got a question for myself and a question from the audience member. I've got Darius Hernandez here saying, I'm going to 
quote it out straight. Once you succeeded and accomplished what you wanted, what kept you going to get where you are now with even more? So what's the driver now? Yeah, look, like, like I say this in my office all the time. Life begins when the direct deposit on Friday doesn't matter. In other <laughs> words, w- once the bills are paid and, and, and you're good and there's mm-hmm. food in the fridge, I mean, that's when it really starts to get exciting, right? What are you capable of doing? That's another piece that I missed. I, I, I was never taught this. No one ever showed me this. Uh, I was doing an interview earlier today and someone said, you know, who's your hero? And I said, it's a sad story. I have no heroes. I have none. I, I don't, my father, my, my real dad left when I was six months old. I never saw him again. My adopted dad was a tough guy. I have no heroes. And, um, and so that was, uh, that was hard for me to understand because that hurts your self-esteem. And when your self-esteem is hurt like that, um, you, don't, you don't really believe that you're capable of achieving much. And I fell into yeah. that trap. I can definitely relate to that. Um, I think it's something that a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs go through that deep hurt in order to something that drives them. There's some sort of fire in there that comes from, I don't know, you need to accomplish or achieve or something. Then, then you go through that self-discovery journey and then, like you said, you almost, is it, would you call it self-actualization when the money no longer becomes the driver and you're looking for the bigger girl or how would you describe that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, back to Darius's question. I mean, it, it connects to your why. What is it that that makes you tick? What are you What are you searching for? And for me, I was searching for meaning, and that meaning, unfortunately for me, meant a hundred million dollar a year business. That was the number for me, and I had to get it to that. I was willing to do anything legal, anything, as I talk about in my book. I was willing to do anything for it, anything, hmm. and and most people won't commit at those levels, but. I mean, I was willing to torch it all, and um, and I was able to get there. And and once I got there, I began to um, recognize that I had che- achieved something meaningful. And then then you start to say, well, what's next, right? So it's it's books for me. It's it's growing a, a, the company from a hundred. We'll do hundred and forty million this year to a billion. That's the goal. Um, huge, huge, ridiculous yeah. number. But so was a hundred million dollars too. That's what people don't understand. A hundred million was such an absurd number that it makes a billion actually look attainable, right? So that's the big piece. I mean, it's what are you playing against? Who are you playing against? And if you really get down to it, you're no longer playing against your dad or your neighbors or your friends or the competition. You're just playing against yourself. And that's when it gets really interesting for me. That's awesome. That is really, really exciting. So... That first part, that hustle grind stage, you said people need to get in to do it. How, in your experience, what is the best? What were the most effective ways? Is it hitting the phones? Is it getting those direct relationships? Is it a combination of everything? What's the what is look? Here's process? the here's the first thing. You got to make sure you're in the right platform, right? I mean, th- did you make the right choice of the business that you've chosen to go into? That's a big thing. There's a lot of really talented people. Who have hustle, but they're in the wrong platform. They can't make any money doing it, right? So, so, so they chose the wrong platform. You got to make sure that you're in a platform that connects to what it is that you want. If you want to surf in Costa Rica, you know you need to be in that type of an environment. If you want to get rich, you need to be in that type of business. And I always knew in my world of equipment financing that there was money because it was dominated by the large publicly traded banks. And where the banks are, there's money. 
So I knew that there was money in the space. I knew that I would out hustle the big banks. I knew that a banker could never sell as well as I could. It wouldn't hustle like I could. So I knew the platform was the right platform, right? Hmm. Um, and then it, it really does come down to uh, creating a niche. What is your niche in that platform? So for me, it was used equipment for good credit customers. So I love, we, our customer base is bullets from a credit standpoint, no subprime, they're all great credit customers, but they're typically buying used equipment. And the big banks don't like used equipment, and I love used equipment. So that became the niche. So I had the platform, I had the niche, I had the hustle, and it was just an automatic. It just, it just took longer to get to scale. And what do I mean by scale? Look, I was paying the bills. I mean, there were t- many times where I couldn't pay myself and all that sort of stuff. That's a whole other ballgame. But for the most part, we were doing okay. It just wasn't. It just wasn't what I went into business for, and so I was always mad. I used to call it a constant state of pissed offness. Right? I was always angry, frustrated, and my wife used to say, "One day, Matt, you'll realize that, that you're bigger than your business." She would say it to me all the time. One day you'll realize it, and and one day I did, and that's where that hundred million dollar number came from. How do you manage a relationship whilst going through that? On the home front. Home front. It's very challenging, man. I mean, there's no, there's no secret sauce. I think anybody who tells you that they've got it all figured out, they're they're lying to you. Anyone who mm-hmm. starts posting on Facebook of, you know, how they grind it all day and then they went home and were this incredible husband and incredible dad, I just don't buy into it. It's not the case. A lot of sleepless nights for me. A lot of fights with my wife. Um, you know, I, I tell a story where, uh, I mean, I, I can I can physically. Feel me touching the doorknob as you and I are talking right now. I feel the coldness on the doorknob right now. I can relive it of walking into the house and seeing my wife and her, her asking me the question. She says, I'm only going to ask you one question. Did you pay yourself this week? And I said, uh, no. And she said, did you play, pay your employees? And I said, yes. And she said, how could you do that to us? How could you do that to your family? Man, those are sacrifices that most people aren't going to make, but that's what you're going to have to do sometimes. Here's the, the, here's the sad part. I had lied to her the other times where I told her I had. It wasn't true. It had been months where I hadn't paid myself. So, so it's not an easy thing, but if you look, I hit the lottery with my wife, right? She loves me. I love her. We're best friends. The money was irrelevant to her. She just wanted happiness and a roof over her head, which I was able to provide the roof over her head and some food in the fridge. But, but the reality is, it's not, it's not easy, man. It's so much easier now that we got money. But, but it, was, it was hard, man. Many, many, many days and months hard. You say you hit the lottery, but it's also you. Like, the kind of woman that was attracted to someone like you, she knows that you're crazy. That's, that's a given. When you're going into it, I'm sure that you guys communicate that, hey, I'm an insane dude. He was going yeah, to do insane yeah. things, but yeah, she she loves that too. She loves that excitement. Listen, I swim every morning, and my pool's fifty some odd degrees. I swim every morning, and this morning I was swimming in it, and I had left the door to the <laughs> pool open, and she woke up, and she thought, you know, we were getting robbed or something. She comes outside; <laughs> it's just her husband swimming in fifty degree water. That's all. <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> no biggie. Oh, it's just him. And then she closes the door. She doesn't say anything. She just closes the door. You know, well, that's a good point right there. So. Exercise whilst doing a business. I mean, you've during that point where you're growing. I'm sure you were like a lot of people, just 
business, business, business. Then you've got the family thing there as well. But for most of your folks, unfortunately, would have been fortunately. I don't know how to say. It. Fortunately or unfortunately, your focus was in the business. How did you go with your personal health with other aspects took of a, life? Took a huge hickey. Took a huge hickey. I mean, my personal health suffered because of my business. Um, it really did. And only in the last two years or so am I getting it back. Uh, I work out with a trainer four days a week. Uh, we run a boot camp here in my office for the last four years. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we bring a personal trainer into our office, and we actually run a boot camp in the, in the parking lot. Um, but for a long time, dude, it was nothing but business, 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 a little bit of family, business, business, business. And most of it wasn't to get to these levels. Most of it was survival. Did you find when you started taking care of your personal health, it changed the business as well? Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, these cold water swims have been incredible for me. They put, they just put tremendous focus and the ability to train your brain to compartmentalize what you're doing. You know, so if you can push the cold away um, and not feel it, even though it's there, it really delivers tremendous mental power. So, um, yeah, all that stuff got better, and I regret that I wasn't uh, more serious about my 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 health and all that sort of stuff but um uh but but i'm certainly making up for it now and it's a major awesome. priority for me major priority for me tell us more what are you trying to achieve there well i want to i want to be around for my kids you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i want i want to enjoy some of this stuff yeah. and um uh, but you know so but but also it's just it, again it's a challenge for me um I wouldn't do it if I didn't have the boot camp and the support of my coworkers, and I wouldn't do it if I didn't have a personal trainer that shows up at my house four days a week at 6 a.m. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have the discipline, and I know that may sound weird for a guy like me, but I wouldn't have the physical discipline to work out. I'd have the physical discipline to go to work, but I wouldn't have the discipline to, to do the workout. So you have the mental discipline of something you know you've already put yourself to, but because you don't necessarily see fitness as the first priority, you need someone else to just show up and push you into it. Look, huge, huge factor for your audience, my friend. You need to not be Superman. You need to realize that you are very good at a few things and very bad at a bunch of things. So for me, it's a it's dirt cheap money for me to spend for a personal yeah. trainer to come to my house and fill that void for me and keep me going in that. So so people people often don't understand that they spend way too much time working on their weaknesses and not enough time working on their superpowers. And and it's mission critical. That people really get that. You do not want to spend time on your weaknesses. Think about it for a second. If I work yeah. at what I'm bad at, maybe I get to average, right? Yeah. If I work on what I'm already good at, DNA, naturally good at, I could get super. That's where you want to play. Gotcha. It's awesome. Taking a step back, what advice would you give yourself when you're starting? Given what you know now. Hmm. Wow. I would uh, trust people more. I got bad advice from advisors, advisors who told me that uh, never trust anybody and, uh, you know, uh, small businesses make more money when they sell the building that they buy than the business that they're in. I mean, so much of that stuff is so exposed. I just did an article about it that says advice has an expiration date, you know. <laughs> it's, it's just not always true anymore. So, so to answer your question, I would tell myself that I should have been more trusting. I should have networked harder and allowed connections. I used to think that I was not worthy of, of, of being friends with a real rich guy because you know I hadn't made it yet. That's totally wrong. Um, and, and I probably would have 
um, created a little bit more balance. But let's be straight on this on this discussion. I make no apologies for it. I make no apologies yeah. for it. I, I did what I had to do to get where I felt I needed to be, and I'm still not there. I want to go even bigger. So, but I make no apologies for the sacrifices I made, and I, I don't. You don't, you don't know your, your journey is your journey, but I guess it's helpful for you to say what you would have done differently in order to help those who are coming up not to run in the same roadblocks. Two, 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 three primary things. The first thing I, I, I would have done is I would have, um, I would have networked more. I would have trusted people more to give me to give me um, assistance, and then the third thing, probably most importantly, is I would have dreamed bigger earlier. I didn't. It cost me millions of dollars dreaming too small. <laughs> That's crazy when you put in that light. Millions and millions of dollars thinking too small. I should have been. We should have been here ten years ago, but I didn't see it. And I, I once had an advisor, uh, he helped me build a three-year strategic plan, and at the bottom of the Excel spreadsheet, there was the net income. And I remember vividly saying to him, I never, I never dreamed I could make that much money. H- how is that possible? How, how is that possible that what we're talking about, how could it be a reality? And he said, first off, you're missing it. You're focused on the bottom line. What you need to be focused on is the middle of this three-year strategic plan. Can you execute this plan is what you need to worry about, because the rest is just a math problem just clicked for me instantaneously. So we, we ended up implementing that three-year plan in 18 months. Jesus. Okay, what is the middle there? When you say it's, can you execute the middle of the plan? Well, so that would be the sales growth. That would be the hiring the right people. That would be building the company culture. That would be setting up the executive management team. That would be, that would be scaling in the niches. We call them verticals or silos. You know, that's the, that's the middle part. So the top part would be revenue growth. The middle part would be the expenses, the execution. And the bottom part is just the net income. So the middle part is can you really execute on this strategic plan? Because his stance was you're focused on this number that seems so unrealistic to you, but it is unrealistic if you can't execute on the middle. So the number's a result of this section here. So this plus this and plus this equals this naturally. Simple math problem. Exactly right. Exactly right. No one, no, none of the people you talk about in this motivational circle in terms of on the books and all that stuff, they know they don't talk about that middle section. It's always end result, here's your goal. They kind of skip over. Yeah, they skip process. over all of that. They, I mean, I just did a video on it. They, here's the other thing that everybody skips over. They skip over the inefficiencies in your business, the cost of the inefficiencies, right? How smoothly does the wheel turn? That leaves 20, 30, 40% net income on the bot- off of the bottom line because your business operates inefficiently. But Who's talking about that stuff on Facebook? And the reality is, with all due respect to those guys, most of them aren't real business guys. They're just motivational guys because they have a following. Man, I've been through the trenches, buddy. I've been in. I've seen. I've seen the darkness, my friend. <laughs> Who have you learned the most from? You said you don't have heroes, but you've said now that you've networked people, other your personal contacts. Who has inspired you the most? I think without question, uh, my, the, my, my network right now uh, of people is pretty strong. And the person that I think I've learned the most from is Grant Cardone. And, and Cardone's book, The 10X Rule, was a, was a very important wake-up call for me um, to really go, go, go. We had, we'd burned the ships long before that book came out, but it really got me, just poured fuel on it. And he and I become good friends, and, um, 
and uh, we've done some stuff, uh, some deals together, and um, and I, I continually learn from his grit, his hustle, his intensity, his focus. Um, outside of that, I have a few other people. I have a retired judge who I've become very friendly with. He's given me good sort of gray hair advice, um, you know. And 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 I'm friendly with a, another gentleman named Rick Sapio. Our friendship is about a year old, and he's really taught me. Um, really taught me about the importance of company culture, core values, mission statement, catalyzing statement, and really this doorman principle that he has, which is once you know what your core values are, he suggests you find your five core values. And once you know what those are, who you are, what you exist for, what you're not willing to bend on, you drop a doorman on top of that, and the doorman determines who gets in and what gets in. It's made a big impact on me, you know? Jesus, it's crazy. It's awesome. Um, what should I be asking you right now that I don't get to have knowledge to ask you? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really have an answer to that because any, any anything is fair game. You can ask me anything you want. I'll give you the answer as I know it. But okay, me, um, yeah, go ahead. Tell me a bit more about you. Talk about your childhood and that loss of your father or not having the presence there. Can you tell us a bit more how that actually impacted you and how you've dealt with it over the it last... Wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a loss of my father. And my real father left when yeah. I was six months old and I never saw him again. So I don't know whether he died. I don't know anything about him. But then my mother remarried and uh, she married a fairly intense guy who did not do a good job building my self-esteem or my sister's self-esteem. They since got divorced. Um, he, that, 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 that he, he's my adopted dad. He adopted me and he loved me to his levels of capability, but, but it didn't, it, it just, uh, I, I was different. I was different yeah. from my very first memory, my, my home life, my father situation, my mentor, it was different from my very first memory. I felt like an outsider looking in from the minute I was, um, the literally the very first memory I have was me being an outsider looking in seems to be a common theme. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's a driving force. So if that, you use it that way. By the way, hmm. some people use it as a, as a paralyzing force, right? Some people implode and they use it as an excuse for the rest of your life. And some people tap into it and use it as motivation. By the way, I, I, I have no uh, hard feelings or ill will towards either of those men. Yeah. N- none of it. I forgive them. Yeah. I for, if I was to meet my real dad, I would forgive him. I wouldn't have much of a relationship with him, but I would forgive him. And my adopted dad, uh, we talk every once in a while, and I, I love him like he loves me. I hold no yeah. ill will because those circumstances created me. Has it always been like that, though? What's that? That relationship, the dynamic you feel now, has it always been that, or did you have... Yeah, I didn't care much, really. Didn't much. I didn't I didn't care about my real father ever, and my adopted dad was, you know, was sort of a, a fragmented relationship. Yeah. Again, from my earliest of memories, I had a wonderful, I have a wonderful mother who loved me always and, and was there for me. But uh, but it wasn't a, it wasn't that type of an upbringing. Listen, no problem with food, right? My my adopted yeah. dad provided food and all that stuff. But but as far as considering it a a homogeneous or a a smooth you know, uh, upbringing or, or adolescence. It wasn't, it was a lot of ripping and tearing and it was, it was, uh, it took me a long time to get over some of that stuff, man. Okay. So where do you become, look for your own guidance and becoming, a, I guess, a man? 
I said, you got to pull your big boy pants on, man. You got to, you got to get your piece of the pie. I mean, that's Fine, really man. what it comes true. down to. You got to, you got to tap into what are you supposed to do? And, um, and most people just limp into it, my friend. They yeah. just, uh, it's, I joke with Cardone about it all the time. I well, tell Cardone, him, you know, Cardone had a very similar experience with his, his father dying at 10, wasn't it? His father passed away when he was 10. And, but, but, but the, the, the thing I joke about, about the 10X rule is that, is that nobody ever gets to 10X, right? They started 0X, which means they're broke. They get to 1X, 2X, 3X, and the, the bills don't come on pink slips anymore, and they can take their significant other out for a nice dinner, and then maybe they can move into a new place. Maybe they can buy the boat or the car, and then they start to ratchet back on that throttle. They never get to 10X. And the key is, man, you got to live in 8, 9, 10X all the time. It's almost like a throttle. You're going to go up and you're going up and you got to try and stay up there. Keep it down all the time. Boom. Foot on the pedal. Nice. Nice. That's, what, that's when you actually begin to live, man. That's okay. when the cool stuff happens. What is the cool stuff? Tell me more. Well, you get, you, get, you get to do videos like this. You get to inspire your employees. You get to deliver tremendous value to your customers and your vendors. Uh, you get to have a full-blown studio. I'm in my office, not in my studio, but I have a full-blown studio here. I get to write uh, books. My first book, The yeah. Grid. I have my second book coming out next year, which got picked up by a major publisher. I got a big advance for it. You get to work with cool people. I mean, you know, that's w- w- none stuff. of that. St- yeah, it's, none it's, of that stuff would have happened if if the throttle wasn't down. Okay. So going to from 150 140 mil now to a billion what's the process there you said it's all mathematical is that just the hiring the team how do you is there shifts that you need to make yourself it's cultural it's absolutely cultural so for us we had to put in an executive management team uh very challenging to do to find the right people that i can trust which i do um we had to get very serious on who we are what our company stands for what we're willing to tolerate what we're not willing to tolerate that's a big problem um, which cost us a ton of revenue okay. uh, because we had to let people go. Elaborate on that a bit, if you don't mind. What well, I mean, you have to know what you want out of your business and what your business, what the heart and soul of your mm-hmm. business is, right? People call a company culture. I call it heart and soul. I mean, what is the heartbeat? What is the vibe? What is the smell? What is the energy when somebody walks into your office? Whether it's a one-person office or it's a 30-person office or a 300-person office, what does it feel like? What is the energy like? And you don't get that until you get really real and transparent and you get your ass out of your office and you start talking to your employees about what it is that they want. And um, when we started to do that, it was very hard because you sometimes have to take a step back to take multiple steps forward. And for us, we did. We had to blow out some salespeople, veteran salespeople who didn't buy into the new culture push. And, um, and therefore, we lost their revenue. My, my movement on this culture piece mm-hmm. has probably cost me $25 million a year because I'm that committed to blowing those guys out and replacing them with the new people. So... That's just the way it is. You sometimes you got to take a step back, take multiple steps forward, and that's what we've done. Sorry, I just going to press this point a bit more. When you say changing the culture, what are you actually talking about? Because you say they're not a fit. Is what specifically about them would not be a fit for your new culture? Sure. I mean, we have we have four core values that we run our company by. Core value number two is we are here because we want to be here. So if you come to my office, kind of bitching and moaning. 
I got a problem with your ass. Because core value number two, that's very important to us, says we're here because we want to be here. So if you don't want to be here, I want to talk to you about it. And, and if the, my talk with you doesn't fix it and my second talk doesn't fix it, and you continue to talk shit about my company and my organization and your coworkers and yourself, really, hmm. I'll blow your ass out. I don't want to work with you. I don't need your revenue to work with you being unhappy. Very important point for your audience. If someone is unhappy outside of work, they will be unhappy inside of work. If someone's happy outside of work, the odds are they will be happy inside of work. So hire happy people. Hire people with good marriages. Hire people that have great relationships with their kids. Hire people who love to work out. They love to listen to motivational tapes. Hire happy people. And I got so, I got so afraid of not being able to hit my $100 million a year number that I started hiring anybody. Okay, right. So on lead up, you're hiring anybody. But once you got focused and realized the culture needs to shift, you started hiring people who are, hate this word cliche, but high frequency, high energy, happy people that I guess changed the dynamic of your culture altogether. Yeah, plus we've made a lot of changes in the office too. I mean, we, we adhere to our four core values, period, end of story. I mean, you sign up for those core values now, you believe those core values, and we manage the business to those core values. So, um, what other, very. What are the other values? Hang on, I'll show them to you. Brilliant. Sherry, you're blowing up my feed. <laughs> okay, you might need to step back a little bit. That is huge. Can you see these? Yeah, sure can. Here, CFF, core values. Creative spirit cannot be enjoyed to the fullest extent without consistent profitability. We are here because we want to be, which translates to personal happiness. We always recommend the program that benefits our clients before benefiting us, customer loyalty. And the final value is our business practices are predicted, predicated on ensuring our superior reputation within our industry, preserving our reputation. That's it. I mean, you do those four things, you've got a happy employee base, and you've got a successful company in my mind. That's it. So you've got to make money. You've got to have happy people. You've got to have people who are loyal. And you've got to have a reputation that makes, that makes your business practices unquestionable. That's how it plays out. Adherence to those four core values are huge. Question here from Darius. What outside of your business are you passionate about? I'm insanely passionate about my children. I can't get enough of my kids. I, I'm so crazy about my three boys. I think they're the most unbelievable kids on the planet. I am crazy about my wife. Uh, still after 19 years of marriage, I'm nuts about my wife. Um, I'm crazy about helping other people. I want, uh, I, I want people to understand that uh, anything is possible. I think I'm a testament to that. And um, I'm also incredibly passionate about what am I, what is my legacy going to be, right? I mean, I made the money now, so now what? Now what? Now what? Right? I'm not a beach guy. I'm not a, I'm not a relaxed. This idea of retirement sounds so preposterous to me. I mean, I just, I just want to keep going. And then one other thing to Darius's question is, I need to continue to focus on my health because I got so much more I want to do. And I, pay, I truly paid a physical price for my business. I really did. And I'm trying to make up for it now. I put on weight, high blood pressure um, for a little while. I've got that under control now. 
not working out. Um, you know, just I just pushed, man. Just pushed. Oh, it's great. You're talking about what the great. It was. Okay. Any, I don't joke around when I say anything legal, anything. I'm not kidding. Now what? <laughs> now What's what? next for me? Yeah. Well, I have the book coming out next year. The book is called I Need More Money, What to Do When You Wake Up and You Don't Have Enough. And it's a whole roadmap of why people need to wake up to understand that they really need more money and then a, a, a step-by-step process on how to do that. Um, that. That book was picked up by Penguin Books and will lead to uh, speaking engagements. I want the business to continue to grow. I want to be the leader of this business. I have my executive management team in place, so they're the implementers, the executors, and I overlay as the leader and the founder of the business. And um, and then to, to continue to spend a heck of a lot more time with my kids. They're 15, 12, and 11, and before I know it, they're going to be out of the house and gone, and that'll be a terrible time for my wife and I that we won't have our three boys close to us. And... Uh, um, but listen, there's other aspects of it too. I mean, there's more money, dude. I mean, I need more money to do cool stuff too. I don't fly around on a private jet all the time. Every once in a while I do, but it, I don't have my own jet. I mean, hell, I'd like to have my own jet. I mean, there's, there's money stuff I want to do too, man. It's next step. Go for the presidency. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a, here's what you learn. There's a lot of people with a mm. lot of money. A lot of money. So whatever success I may have achieved or somebody else may have achieved, trust me, there's millions of people that have achieved substantially more. And probably not as difficult as I made it. I'm not kidding you. The richest people I know, it wasn't as hard for them as it was for me. Are they also self-starters, the ones you know? I don't know anyone who inherited money. No one. Everyone I know is an entrepreneur some some entrepreneurs who then got bought out by large companies and they got really rich off of stock options through that play. Hmm. But I do not know one person, I'm not friendly with one person who had inherited their wealth. Everyone I know is a hustler. I think that's the personality thing that people you bring into your circle, the hustlers. Took me a long time though to do that. It was one of the tips I would give to the to, to to anyone else is tap into that network earlier. But I didn't feel worthy enough, dude. I didn't feel as though I was up to snuff. I felt like I had to achieve more before I was worthy to be their friends. It was so sad. It's just a terrible way to live. Don't do it. <laughs> Matt, this has been awesome. Where can people learn more about you or I guess enter your world a bit, a bit closer? Well you can you follow me on all social media channels at uh, Matt Monero on all of them, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, MattMonero.com. My business is called Commercial Fleet Financing. They can find that. And then uh, look for the book, uh, I Need More Money. comes out in the fourth quarter of 2017, and I think it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't write that book if I didn't think it could be a New York Times bestseller. Brilliant. It's pretty amazing. Because there's, no there's no money in books, my friend. Oh, there isn't, but I guess I'd... It goes back to your legacy thing. If you need to do the books, you need to put your message out there in order for you to create that legacy that you're wanting to create and that impact you want to create now. I think you have to. I mean, it's just uh, it's the way it, it's uh, the business. The book is the new business card. Brilliant. All right. Thank you so yeah. much, mate. I um, don't think there's any more questions. So let's see you all in the next stream. Josh, thank you too, buddy. I appreciate your time very much.